Hi, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. Uh, I'm Katie. I'm co-host and co-founder of We Shape. I'm very excited. The, the audience doesn't know, but we've taken a two or three month break from podcasting because right. uh, Nina is out on maternity leave. And when we were coming back to record, Nina's going to take a little longer. So I thought, what do we do? Because let's get real, Tyler. People don't want to just hear from you and I. No, and we just get into heated debates. And, and then just, people yeah, are like, take this to the marital out of the therapy office. Like, come on, you two. We don't, we're not interested in We need you? someone to sit between us. <laughs> we do. Yeah, so. So I was like, what do we do? And I was like, oh, I have an idea. Let's call Dr. Lisa Folden. And I said, I have a crazy idea. Will you fly out to California and do the podcast? And she said, tell me when. So yes. <laughs> Dr. Lisa Folden is here with us as our co-host today. And I probably, look at I have goosebumps. I've never been so excited. All right. So you've been on our podcast. You do a lot of social content for us. We just love you as a person, as a professional. You're an incredible person. And so, but I, for those of you, for those of our uh, listeners who don't know who you are, give us like a, who is Dr. Lisa Folden? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I feel like a mediator now. Yeah. I'm here t- <laughs> <laughs> that's your job. That's yeah, your role. That's my yeah. role today. Okay. Well, I'm super excited to be here. I'm Dr. Lisa Folden. I'm a weight-inclusive physical therapist, and I'm an anti-diet health movement and body image coach. So I primarily work with women, some men, on uh, helping them improve their body image, get stronger, and, and actualize health outside of the confines of toxic diet culture. I love working with We Shape. It's been like a beautiful marriage for me personally. Um, I hope y'all feel the same. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm super excited to be here and to talk to our guest today. So I'm really excited because Lisa started doing some of our coaching calls with our members in the community. And I got the privilege to watch some of the recordings, right? And just make sure we have like alignment around our movement philosophy. And, and I was so impressed with how similar kind of our belief systems are around just making sure people are moving their bodies the way they were meant to move so they can feel good in their bodies. And I know you're absolute expert when it comes to breaking up with to- uh, toxic weight loss culture and also someone who can charismatically communicate about with th- this, which is really fun too. So I'm I mean, when Thank we you. first started We Shape and we were, we were moving into this direction of like movement and quality exercise and thinking about exercise in a different way, I said, we're going to have a threat. And Tyler's like, what's that threat? I'm like, you're not going to find anybody who you will feel okay with helping you teach this philosophy. Mm. So like, are you prepared to do most of this work by yourself? And then I found, well, actually Nina found uh, Dr. Lisa Folden. And I said, Tyler, I found someone for you. (laughs) And he's like, well, let me talk to her. And then you go, and you're like, okay, yeah, she's great. And I was like, yes. It's wonderful. We have someone who like understands what we're trying to do and has the skill set and the training and everything to to do this. That's a huge compliment because I watch all your stuff and I'm like, Tyler knows his stuff. Like, I appreciate that. Like you went to PT school or something. I'm like, reminding me of muscles. I'm like, hold on. (laughs) So I I really appreciate that. Well, we're going to talk about some movement in some upcoming episodes. We'll get plenty of time for that. Today, we actually have a guest on the show. So you want to jump right into that? Yeah. So I want to introduce, I'm going to read her bio, give a little intro, and then we'll welcome her. Her name is Erin Washington. She is the author and she has the, she's the co-founder of a nonprofit and host of a podcast called Squats and Margaritas, which I'd love to know how you got that name. Um, Really funny. Uh, Erin Washington is the author and former D1 collegiate athlete who struggled with weight and body image for 20 years. Erin hosts the wildly popular Squats and Margaritas podcast and recently founded Blue Butterfly Foundation, a nonprofit that provides mentorship for teen girls struggling with body image and Mm -hmm. self-worth. Aaron's new book, From Pain to Purpose, Finding Finding Meaning in the Mess, is available on Amazon. So 
Hello, Erin. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me on the We Shape podcast. I am so happy to be here. We are really excited to have you. I love the work that you're doing, especially with teen girls. I know that the work that we do on ourselves is so important, but it's also important for us to figure out a way to pass this pass this forward to the younger generation so that we can actually shift the values and narrative in our culture. I deeply believe in that work. It's oftentimes, I know I have children, but oftentimes I'm asking about how do we how do we take this knowledge and apply it to child rearing? Because not only can we do that with our own children, but we can reparent ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the work is yeah. really important. Um, I think for today, you know, I, I we were talking before the show and I said, I really would love to hone in on self-worth and body image today. I was actually just on another podcast this morning and the host and I were talking about this concept of when I have this, then I will feel worthy. Mm. And it's like when I get the number, when I get the body, when Mm -hmm. I get the money, when I get the career, when I, and it never ends. And so those things are not dependent on one another. Those things are independent of one another. So why don't we, if we know that they're not, you know, me getting the number on the scale or getting the job is not going to actually impact my self-worth. So why don't we just shift the focus to how do we focus on self-worth and cultivating that? And that will will hopefully get more at the root. But before we go there, I'd love to understand your journey. Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to where you are today? I think my journey really starts with soccer. Um, I started playing when I was four. And me being the firstborn perfectionist that I am, I was all in. I was obsessive. I would train all year long. Um, I ended up starting varsity as a freshman in high school and came into high school super thin because I was 14. And when my body started to change, um, as bodies do around 14, 15, I started to gain weight. And that was not ideal for soccer. Um, For me, fit and thin was like right for soccer. I was more in shape. I was faster. So my junior year in high school, I drastically reduced my calories to the point where I remember carrots were off limits because they were a starchy vegetable. Um, I would come home from school and make myself nap so that I wasn't eating. And I got super thin. My coach ended up calling me on it. And because soccer was in question and that was the only thing that mattered and my only value, I was like, well, I got to eat. Uh, But it was then that my eating disorder evolved from anorexia to exercise bulimia. If you're familiar with that, you jot down the calories that you consume and then you go and work off the same amount of calories to kind of cancel it out. Uh, That continued throughout my high school career. Uh, The career went well. We were back-to-back state champions. I was a captain. I never came off the field. Ended up getting a Division I soccer scholarship and went into college, you know, ready to played to D1 soccer. It was all I cared about. It was my value. And I didn't play. And I didn't really know what to do with that. (laughs) Like I was used to never coming off the field. And now I was like rarely seeing it. And when you put everything into something and that is your identity and it's gone, you can kind of lose yourself. And that's when an eating disorder um, or depression can sink in. And that's what happened. I ended up quitting soccer kind of on a whim and went back to the soccer house where I lived and fell into complete depression. And I initially found bulimia as a way that I thought would get rid of the extra weight. You know, I'm eating normally, but I'm not in a division one strength and conditioning program anymore. So put on some weight, I'll um, throw it up. Uh, What it became was a 10 year battle uh, that I was never gonna tell anyone about. And I was finally able to get over that and 
not really abuse my body anymore with the eating disorder, but I was still completely restricting, obsessing, uh, working out two times a day and living life in just a stressed out state. And I finally found my physical ideal and self-love and body acceptance at 40 after having two kids by actually taking care of my body, listening to my hunger cues, moving my body to feel good and not to like meet a standard that women are supposed to meet. And I wrote my first book, Squats and Margaritas, to the woman that was working out and stressing out and living in obsession to tell them that living life with balance, squats and margaritas, you can enjoy your life and feel good moving your body. And I, as an extension of that, I found from pain to purpose because I've taken my message and created a nonprofit foundation for teen girls uh, that are struggling with body image and self-worth. It's something that I sure as hell wish I could have had when I was going through it. So it didn't exist and I created it. And what we do is we provide one-on-one mentorship from a woman who's been through that same issue. So if you are struggling with bulimia, you are going to be talking to someone that was bulimic and came out on the other side of it. Because as a teenager, I wouldn't have talked to my mom about it. I was so defensive, but I would have talked to someone who was like me too. And here's how I came out of it. So it's mentorship and it's a community to kind of show teen girls that you're not alone. This is a really hard time in your life and everyone's struggling. And again, I I created a space that didn't exist um, that I could have used when I was in my mess. So in a nutshell. Wow. (laughs) That's my story. Yeah. That's (laughs) a really incredible journey. And I love that you have, I mean, the title of your book, (laughs) Pain to Purpose, I love that you used your pain to create healing not only for yourself, but for those around you as well. And so, you know, kudos for that work that you're doing. I think that that has got to have such a powerful impact because our culture does this funny thing where we have to, you know, we're we're very much validated for these toxic behaviors that we participate yes. in. And then we have like the emotional and psychological struggle, you know, varying from, you know, obsessing about food all the way through eating disorders. And then we're like, oh, and we don't really have that many resources for you. So just be quiet about it because we don't want to talk about that. So yeah. The fact that you're trying to normalize these conversations and provide mentorship is is really incredible. So um, thank you so much thank for you. sharing that journey. And um, maybe we'll start, you know, with one of the first questions that I had just to, you know, kind of piggybacking on what I was saying around this idea that we think that when we get this, we will feel, you know, worth. And I think that when I was on that podcast earlier today, I was like, you know, people are searching for that number on the scale, but they're really not searching for that number on the scale. They're searching for, am I valuable? Am I worthy? Do you care about me? Am I loved? What they think that number means. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, so like, let's say we know that now. Great. Okay. We, 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 we're, we're, we're understanding that concept of like, I'm not really after that number. I'm, I'm after like my own self-worth. Where do we even begin cultivating self-worth? Where do we even begin developing a positive relationship with our body? I didn't find this self-worth and positive relationship with my body until I started respecting it and honoring my hunger cues, eating when I was hungry, stopping when I was satisfied. And that shift, like not counting calories anymore, only working out a couple times a week, it takes a while to get there because we have that toxic culture that 
tells us that we have to be, you know, you have to work out seven days a week. You have to do your cardio. Um, I always had to do cardio because I had to see the numbers coming down and then you will get your physical ideal. It is not about a physical ideal, like you said, but I have to say, I found my physical ideal by respecting my body because my body started to trust me. I got my hunger cues back in, under control because I would feel hungry, but it would, as sick as this sounds, almost be like a win. Like I'm mm -hmm. hungry, but I'm not gonna eat. I'm gonna save my calories. When you just start respecting your body, it will trust you again and it will work for you and you can maintain the weight that you're supposed to be at without trying as hard. When all I wanted was to be thin and all I did was obsess and count calories and work out twice a day, I was never satisfied. I was frustrated. It felt like I was doing everything right. And I finally found a peace with my body, living this balanced lifestyle, not trying as hard and just respecting my body. And now as a mom, I cannot continue to let these toxic traits that I live with go down to my child. And when you're talking about getting on a scale, I think what women get right, what moms get right is validating and making sure our daughter knows how, what like worthy she is. I try not to use physical compliments, but it's like, you're so strong mm -hmm. and you're so kind. But if you're on the scale, like, ugh, I gotta lose 10 pounds. Like she's watching you, yeah. you are modeling it. So we get the part right about telling our daughters that they're so worthy, but she's looking at you for what a woman should be. And she's watching everything you do. And I remember like my mom, like we go to a big event and she always had to go on a diet. Yeah. And that was telling me that like skinnier was like the best, best version of herself. Like she had to get skinnier to be acceptable at a big event. And it just, she never knew she was doing it. And I kind of just processing it now, if you have a child who is susceptible to an eating disorder, because it is part genetic and part environment, mm -hmm. you're modeling everything that she's looking at as to what is right. And what we look at a scale, we look at a little machine and we're either happy or sad. So that tells us, you know, this machine and what we weigh is going to determine our happiness. Mm -hmm. That was ingrained in me. And I will not let that happen with her. And there are plenty of very thin people who, quote unquote, meet the projected expectation who are miserable. Yes. Miserable. So it yes. actually like we it's like we know this, but it's so hard because it's so deeply ingrained. Absolutely. And it, it, I, I think I also want to offer people just kindness and grace as we unravel those layers, because like. I mean, it's in there, right? Anything that happens before the age of five is is wired in your brain. And so we have this like challenge of uncovering those neuro, like re rewiring those neuro pathways. And yeah. then also fighting against the culture that we live in that says, no, your, your value and worth come from the way you look. So yeah. it's a double whammy. So it's not what I hear you saying, it's not gonna happen overnight. But no. even just having the curiosity <laughs> around how do I listen to my body? How do I tap in? How do I respect my body? What does a cue for my body mean? Like just yeah. even asking those questions, I think, sound like a really good starting space. You know, what? also you echoed something that so many people have said on this podcast before. And it's when we're doing something because we're seeking validation outside of ourselves, we will never find happiness. We will always find misery. And when we connect with ourselves, when we respect ourselves, and we operate from that place, that's when we can actually find joy and happiness. And yeah. I think so many people need to lean that direction and just not worry about what the world is thinking about their decisions if they really want to find that happiness. And I think that's just so beautiful that you started with respecting yourself. That's yeah. such a great yes. starting point. You know what, too, Tyler? I think that's brilliant, and that's where we want to be, like where we're seeking things from within ourselves. 
But it is hard, right? Because we get all these messages from everywhere Absolutely. else. Absolutely. It's at home, at school, at the doctor's TV, office. Social media. So we media. get all these messages. So I, I sort of have a follow up follow up question to that, Erin. Where did mm-hmm. you seek the support and the information mm-hmm. and the knowledge in order to shift your thinking about it? Because it doesn't just, you know, you don't just wake up one day like, oh, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. Let me transition. Like what what was the light bulb for you or light bulbs that made you like, OK, I can start to embrace a different way of thinking about my body and health and fitness and those things? It's a fabulous question because I definitely people ask about like rock bottom moments. I had a rock bottom moment mm-hmm. that still didn't shift my thinking. Like I remember going out in a snowstorm. Like I was legit the only person in DC walking around in this blizzard, trying to get to a convenience store where I could buy all the processed things that I could binge and purge. And I remember in that moment being like, look around, you are the only person out here. Like what the hell are you doing? And I still didn't stop. What finally got me was there was a trainer at my gym and it was a time in my life where I said I wasn't abusing my body with bulimia anymore, but I was barely eating, um, just salads, no snacking, cardio twice a day. Mm. And so frustrated because I'm quote, doing everything right. It's calories in versus calories out. And I, my body was, I was probably 20 pounds heavier when I'm talking about this. Not that it's not, not that it is about a physical weight, but just to show you where I was at, he comes up to me and was like, you're so frustrated. Like, how can I help you? And I'm like, you can't, Mm. I'm doing everything right. Um, I barely eat and I am doing cardio twice a day. And he's like, well, yeah, he's like, your body is starving. Like you just need to eat more. And like him telling me that I needed to eat more after I had abused my body for 20 years with anorexia and bulimia. But at that point, like it didn't make sense. But at that point I had nothing else to lose. So he was like, you just need to eat. And women are not taught that. We're told like count your calories and I'd been starving myself. I I trusted him and I started eating and I felt my metabolism working again because my body trusted that if I was gonna eat, I wasn't gonna do a second workout. If I eat and fuel my body after a workout, I'm not gonna throw it up after. You know, it finally trusted me again and kind of just went back to working for me. My body had completely stopped working because I had abused it for so long. And that trainer telling me, you need to eat more and for me to finally turn back on my metabolism and recognize when I'm hungry and when I'm full was a game changer. Wow. People don't take care of their bodies. Like you got to realize if you take care of your body, your body takes care of you, mm-hmm. right? It gives you yes. energy, gives you strength, gives you stamina. But if you just starve yourself all day long, everything down regulates like you experienced and you get super frustrated and you're exhausted and your hormones are out of whack and yeah. everything is yes. just not fun. And it's all because of these ideals that we're trying to reach. It's Same so is true with your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's not just the physical side of it. Absolutely. It's like it it's it's your mind too. Like all those, you know, I I've shared on the podcast before we started We Shape, I was obsessive with wellness and health and quote unquote clean eating and all this stuff. And then once I became privy to a new idea, yeah. I was like oh my God, like I I thought I was doing it right. Yeah. And I was getting validation for that. And um, once I said, what would happen if I didn't do that? Mm. The amount of time and energy I had just in my own mind was enough for me to never go back to that because (laughs) I'm like, that was jail. Like it it was not, that was not, I was so liberated from those thoughts once I said, no one's forcing you to behave this way. No one's forcing you to have this, this, 
perspective, you can shift that and unsubscribe it at any time. Although it is hard and it does take time and yeah. those thoughts come in all the time. But the amount of liberation I got from that is enough to like embody the feeling of I have no motivation to ever go backwards in that again. Yeah. I got a question about fitness because we end up talking a lot about nutrition. There's so much about like orthorexia, anorexia, bulimia, et cetera, like all these different things that people get caught up in. Um, with regard to fitness, I am like on this mission to get people to realize that most people are going to the gym out of uh, a sense of trying to change their energy systems, right? Like I'm trying to burn calories, I'm trying to pump muscles, right? And it's all aesthetically based. It's yeah. not based around health and feeling good in your body. And like what we try to preach is movement, gain strength, yes. flexibility, balance, and coordination. And you can just have the freedom to move your body for as long as humanly possible, which means you're gonna have a, a better life overall. You're probably gonna feel good in your body. You're gonna be able to do it for longer. So how did you shift from two a day cardio, focus on calories. I had never heard the term exercise bulimia, by the way, which okay. I just realized I had when I was younger. Um, <laughs> so that was a big deal just for me right then. But how did you shift it from that to um, whatever it is your philosophy is right now? Well, my philosophy now, Tyler, is squats and margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. It's not a bad philosophy. We'll now, see you later. Right yeah. yeah. Well, it, you need both. And when I was living, like Katie was saying, you're the same. I can't wait to have you on my show. I was so obsessive. Like, I was always counting calories. And, um, like, before we'd go out to dinner, I would, like, pull up the menu to make sure there was a salad that I would eat. And I would only book hotels that had a gym and would set an alarm uh, on vacation. And just living in that kind of stress your body produces cortisol, that's making you hold on to fat. And when I stopped living that way and just relaxed and lived the squats and margaritas lifestyle of balance, um, I work out, I don't know, three, four times a week. There's no more rules anymore. I don't have a number. I don't even know the number. And I enjoy daily indulgences because when you make things off limits, you only want it more. It only makes it more enticing. And then you're only gonna binge when you have something off limits because then when you try it, you're gonna be like, ah, I broke it. So then you eat all the thing and you start over. Balance is not a start over. A balanced lifestyle of squats and margaritas is what changed everything for me. And like you were saying, people go to the gym. I would go to just do my hour on the cardio machine so I could see the calories tick down. Now I go to the weight room and women huh. who are shying away from the weight room because they think they're supposed to do their cardio and the men are in the weight room. like. Weightlifting changed everything for me. I don't have to be obsessive and worry about what I'm eating anymore because I have a lot of muscle on my body. Muscle is the most metabolically active tissue. The more you have, the more you're burning. I don't really focus on workouts anymore. I don't typically like even watch what I eat. I order what I want. I am like conscious of how much I'm eating. I don't eat a ton of it, but I order what I want and I'm not deprived anymore. I feel satisfied. Whereas so long I like left the restaurants deprived. I have to share this because it paints the picture. Fish tacos is my favorite thing on a menu. If they have it on the menu, I'm getting it. 10 years ago, it would be like fish tacos, but no cheese, uh, no sour cream, guacamole on the side. And I would eat tortilla with fish. I would eat all four of them because in my mind, I'm like, well, it's fat free and it's, you know, protein. I would leave the restaurant feeling completely deprived because I ate Aww. fish in a tortilla. Now, when I go out, I order fish tacos exactly as they're prepared with cheese, sour cream. They give you three or four. I eat one and I take a second and check in. Typically, I will not be satisfied. So I'll eat another one. And then I'm good. I didn't eat all four. I leave the restaurant feeling satisfied and not deprived because I got fish tacos with all the things. So it's a mindset shift. Like when you're 
leaving a restaurant deprived, it's almost like your brain needs to be satisfied. Give mm-hmm. it what you want. You don't yeah. need a ton of it, but when you're so deprived and restricting, it just makes those foods like on a pedestal and even more enticing. When everything's mm-hmm. allowed, it makes food neutral. Like food is fuel. It, and it makes yeah. me think so of long, cheat days. I did not look at it that way. I know. It makes me think of cheat days. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, the, no. the, the cheat, no cheat day. Days. Right? I used yeah. to live it's for like, them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a binge eater and I'm calling it a cheat day. It's exactly right? yeah. what it is. Oh, my God. Absolutely a binge. And diet culture has normalized it and absolutely. called it. A cheat. I would eat a whole pizza almost. Like, oh, yeah. maybe yeah. minus two slices. Seriously, because of depriving myself the whole week. So I love that transition that you made. How are you. Um, I guess modeling that and and maybe having those discussions with your children around this idea of like, you know, we want our kids to have a healthy relationship with food. We want our kids to have a healthy relationship with their body. We want to model healthy behaviors. We don't want to pass down. I relate like oldest child, obsessive, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, 100 (laughs) percent. So how do we give them the information and the tools without, um, you know, pushing them into that sort of obsessive you know, component of health and nutrition and things like that. Lisa, this is my favorite question in the world. Um, <laughs> so you have, now, you have, do you so have children? Tell I us. I do. How- well, I have two, but because of all my mess, I really focus on my daughter. My son thinks he's a dinosaur. Like, I don't think we're worried. His <laughs> <laughs> body image is in a worry right now. <laughs> hey there, if you're enjoying the We Shape podcast and you've heard us talk about We Shape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is We Shape? Well, at We Shape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. Think of all of the toxic traits that we were taught that we are continuing as parents. Clean your plate. Uh Clean Mm. your plate is the exact opposite of intuitive eating. Yes. It's basically saying, nope, finish everything that's on your plate. Even though you're full and you're trying away, nope, sit back down and keep eating. Because they're starving children somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Kate, weren't you a part of the clean plate club? Yeah, we were in the same house. The clean plate club. We had a name for it in our house, the clean plate club. Oh, my God. Yeah. I call it a happy plate, Katie. We'd be like, I would sing a song. We got a happy plate. We'd all sing it. I... I'm thinking about it now, like it is telling them, do not listen to your body, eat until the food is gone, not when you're satisfied. And then to take it one more, my daughter would clean her plate to get a treat, uh-huh. to get more food, <laughs> making, making the I'm reward. feeling triggered, Erin. We, yeah. We've done all of this. Yeah. Yeah. We can't let it continue. Yeah. So she's done eating. Can I get a snack? Can I get a treat? No. Clean your plate. Keep eating. And then you can be rewarded with more food. So it's no, no more clean your plate. I always say, listen to your tummy. Like, are you done? Listen to your tummy. Um, non-food rewards, get them some bubbles, uh, buy, like have them get, have some screen time. Stop making a bit like you do this to get a treat food. My daughter's very food motivated. So it's very hard. So you have to find what like 
lights them up. My son can play with his dinosaurs. It's screen time, but non-food rewards. Okay. And a huge one is the compliments that you're giving them don't make them physical. Oh. It's so hard for me when my daughter like walks around the corner and I'm like, oh, you're so beautiful. Like I have to choke down, you're so beautiful. <laughs> and I stop and I'm like, you are so strong and you are so kind and you're the sweetest girl in the world. And don't make it about physical because then they start to tie up their value and their worth and how they look. So non-physical compliments, um, no more cleaning your plate, non-food rewards, and just what you're modeling, how you're talking to yourself. Yeah. Because she is watching you, and it doesn't matter how much you hype her up. If you're going on and off diets and you know talking to yourself in the mirror, like, oh, I got to lose five pounds, she is watching that. And that is teaching her that we are happy or sad based on how much we weigh and how we look. We have to get away from the physical compliments and the physical validation. Mm. Sorry, I just want to say one thing real quick. That that is such a big deal, right? My father-in-law, Katie's dad, has this saying, he said over and over again, more is caught than taught, right? And I think that people really focus on telling their children what to do and like trying to create a frame around them for what to do. And then they do exactly what you're talking about. They go look in the mirror and they, they, you know, insult themselves or have a bunch of self-judgment. They look down at the scale and they feel horrible about themselves and they don't realize like more is caught than taught. Your kids are gonna be who you are most likely. They're not gonna do what you say if you don't actually do it yourself. It's so big. And I I think this is actually, I'm gonna bring this up because what happened at the dinner table last night. Um, So I mean, Lisa, you have two daughters. Yes. I have two daughters. Erin, you have a daughter. And not to say that these messages do not impact people who identify as male. Uh, but for the purpose of, you know, females really being under the spotlight, especially um, when it comes to disordered eating, I just want to, you know, this is where I struggle. So first of all, I'll just say I used to be like, like what I talked about, like really obsessed with making sure we're eating these things. And now when I see those behaviors come out in my my younger one is my older one's like F you, like I'm going to do whatever I want. Uh, uh, so that's great for her. Um, but my younger one, I watch her. She'll be like, oh, is this have too much sugar? And I'll tell her, mama used to believe that sugar really mattered that way, and I don't anymore, and I'm sorry that I made you believe that too, so we don't have to worry about that. So just kind of like owning the mistake, because I think it's really hard, especially in a culture where parents are seen as the authority. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we have a hard time just owning being a human, so I've been really practicing, like if I see a little behavior like that, that I try to neutralize the relationship and just take ownership that I used to think that way, but I've learned something different and I think this way might be a better way to go. Yeah. And and I feel like that's powerful. In fact, she did that, you know, quite a bit. And then I just kept reinforcing that and she hasn't done that in months now. So I feel right. like I've watched that transition of her going to more n- neutrality. Yeah. But here's where I struggle. So last night we're at the dinner mm. table. Here we go. It's, it's <laughs> Tyler and I. Uh, we have an incredible nanny. Um, and she was eating dinner with us. And my 10-year-old daughter, like, it, it, it's power and control. She will not eat if she's like, and so everyone, our nanny was like, oh, I wonder, you know, she's snacking too much or like, you know, she's really saying it's my body, my choice. And I really think that's great. But like, maybe we could say no snacks before dinner. And we're kind of all going through this conversation. I said, pause. You know, I looked at the three of us, uh, the three of us adults. I said, who here has an incredible relationship with food or grew up with an incredible relationship with food? And everyone got silent. And I said, <laughs> everybody's heads went down. Said, we all shed yeah. a tear. I said, <laughs> I said, I don't feel that any of us are equipped to answer how to handle this situation. Ooh. And I think that what we need to do is do a little bit of research on 
what are three ways that we can develop healthy relationship with food and have your child participate in dinner that do not center around food rules? Mm -hmm. And then we can come back and have this conversation because I was like, I'm not just going to like take everyone's word for it here in opinion. Like none of us have good relationships. We self-admittedly don't have good relationships with food and didn't have good models. And so um, I don't know. I'm looking for an answer to my question. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, my daughter, I just, I kind of just let the, I do let the kids do whatever. You know, and I can feel a little bit of like, wow, you just let your kids do whatever. But I do because I don't want to create judgment. So I'm like, am I going too far? Like, yeah. should I have boundaries yeah, around I mean, food? Like, don't have but, a snack before dinner. I'm cooking dinner, but I don't. I'm so worried about creating food rules. I have the same concern. Okay. I'm going to share a story about my kid okay, and then and then okay, I want to hear from yes, Aaron. Yes. So I was very obsessive and very much like. I'm going to control everything in this pantry, in this house, only these things. And my oldest daughter, she's 12 now, but she was about six. So what, first grade, I got a call from the teacher and my baby had been stealing snacks from other kids. Mm. (laughs) I wanted to crawl under a table (laughs) and just die. But I had to self-reflect and, you know, this progressive parenting we're doing, right? Like, not like our parents. (laughs) And I had to, like, own the fact that this was my fault. This was 100% my fault because my child had never seen a pack of Doritos. had never seen fruit roll-ups because I kept them from her. She was the first Mm. child, right? So, you know guinea pig um but (laughs) but I remember like feeling so bad about myself like oh my god why did I do that to her and and it happened like five or six times it wasn't like a a one-time deal so I would love to kind of know kind of in line with what what we're all saying today and you mentioned it like being like self-aware and then owning your stuff how do you then address that with your child? Like, do you go as far as to say, like, you know what? Mommy was wrong. Like, I thought this was the best way to do. I thought sugar was really important. I thought it was really important for you to not have these snacks. But, you know, X, Y and Z from there. D- did you have to have those conversations at any point with your kids or just in general? Luckily, I got this all together before they're very impressionable. My daughter's only seven. She's oh, in second grade. Lucky. Mm. So but <laughs> I will say, Katie, like. I'm listening to you. That's exactly why I have, I don't even know what to call it. All foods, not, there's not bad and good. Yeah. All foods in the house. And they are surrounded and by all foods so that that doesn't happen. Right. So when they go somewhere else and they're like, oh, that's a bad food, then they binge and they feel like they have to hide it. If they just see food as neutral, food as food, mm. it doesn't make it as exciting. And when it's off limits, like how I live, they're like, oh, you got Doritos? Like I got Doritos at home. It makes it less t- tempting when yeah. everything is allowed. And for now that's working. Um, I interviewed the food babe on my uh, show recently. Love and I do too. And I had to ask her like, so obviously she doesn't have stuff like that in the house. And she's telling me, well, you should just whip up a batch of things. And I'm like, you know what, Bonnie, like, what if I don't like somebody doesn't have that much time and yeah. they have just some processing and she's like, no, you have to have only things that they can, uh, that are healthy that are in the home. But I said, don't you like worry that when your kid goes to the movies or is somewhere not around you, that they are going to do what your kid did. Lisa just binge Absolutely. and be like, Oh, because it's never around them. And she was just like, that may happen when they're in high school. And she's like, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens, but she doesn't have them like, it's not accessible to them. So wow. for me, that'd be like, oh, I can't have that. And as soon as I go to my friend's house, you're not going to be around them all the time. They're going to be like, ooh, I'm not supposed to have that. It's making it so much more enticing that if it was just in the house, it'd be like Doritos. Like they wouldn't eat four packs of it because it's just something they have at home. Yeah. That's my mindset now. And it's worked for me to just let every food be uh, allowed and not, my mom was always on diets. There, This was not allowed. This was, 
like I had so many food rules that I don't want her to have any. Yeah. And again, she's seven. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but that's how I'm living now. I don't want her to binge when she's away from the house because she's not allowed to have those foods at home. Foods are allowed. I always say, listen to your tummy. How does it make you feel sometimes? Because sometimes she's like, oh my gosh, I ate that whole cookie. And I was like, how did it make you feel? So like, think about how things make you feel. I remember the food babe said she let her kids eat a stick of butter once. Because <laughs> okay. she was like, they're, I just let them eat it because she's like, they're not going to do it again because of how it's going to make them feel. And I was like, okay. See, my daughter so, would eat it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what I'm I, 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 I've going to piggyback on. I watched her like yeah. eat something and get really sick and actually throw up. Oh, and I've wow. just been like, okay, I'm so sorry you experienced that pain. And she's like, can I have another one? I'm like, oh no. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, this, is, this is the hard thing. There's, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's some of the population, like our daughter, who has a little bit of a neural divergence mm -hmm. and has a higher propensity for things like addiction and seeking dopamine. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's really challenging about that is, you know, I love your philosophy squats and margaritas. But how do you take the person who's maybe going a little too hard on the margaritas and like how do how do we create a shift in that when mm. that's really I mean ultimately it sounds like we're gonna have to get into psychology here because they're probably having too many margaritas because they can't Some you know face something inside yes. right but yeah and I want to just add that. to this because I, I'm I the the jury's out for me in terms of like I don't know I, I I'm trying to just sit and I don't know and be okay with that mm -hmm. but it is hard how's that working out for you it's not it's painful <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's hard because like for instance with her I see how all of what we're talking about really deeply benefits our younger child like yeah. I watch her relationship with food be pretty neutral I watch her stop when she's full I watch her pick up food when she's hungry I watch her try a variety of food and she is more neurotypical so this might be an entirely different podcast because yeah. but a lot large portion of the population is neurodivergent so it's sure. probably an important episode but like for instance when I have noticed when our older daughter has red dye 40 her personality changes like she actually changes like and shark eyes like i'm not here she's right not now. even like yeah. making eye contact like she it, it's pretty intense right so it's like me trying to navigate how to have a conversation about that without creating judgment around that thing but also noticing like hey when you have that we like last saturday she had that and we dealt with six meltdowns so it was like my whole day Aww. was dedicated to helping her get emotionally regulated because of one thing she chose to eat so it's like this it's hard right yeah. it's like we can't ignore that the things we eat do impact how we feel, but then how do we have conversations about that? How do we not judge that? How to create new neutrality? Um, and again, the neurodivergence does bring a lot of complexity to these conversations. Yeah. Any any tips? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, I think you just have to know your child. Like that's yeah. it seems like a specific situation that you're totally on top of. Um, to Tyler's question about how do I get somebody to like stay in the balance and not like go heavy margaritas yeah. or squats. The way I lived for so long was just squats, um, just the, the working out. And I lived with deprivation and restriction and was miserable and frustrated because I feel like I was doing everything right. All the foods were off limits. Squats and margaritas, nothing is off limits. It, margaritas at that point was, was like my indulgence. If I know I can have it, there's no reason to binge. So you have to have both to have the balance. You have to allow for indulgences. You still have to move your body, not seven days a week. And when you find that sweet spot, the balance, um, that's where you can maintain your life, be happy and maintain uh, your body. Like I don't even worry about what I weigh. I just stay here because my body trusts me and I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm satisfied. I don't overexercise. But Tyler, I'm glad you brought it up. You also have to be fluid and like, look at yourself. Like, yeah, I'm squats and margaritas. I was for a while. And then the pandemic hit and the world shut down and I was margaritas all the way. 
And I caught myself and I was like, I am drinking every day. And I have really made an effort to, I drink a whole lot less. Like I'll have a beer or a glass of wine with a meal, but I really don't drink that much anymore. And I was interviewing Gabby Bernstein on my podcast and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like my brand is squats and margaritas and now I really don't even drink. And she's like, F your brand, you are being authentic and you are on a journey and everybody's on a journey and you have to find what works for you. And I still stand by the balance. It is squats and margaritas, but when the balance is off, which I recognized and I got back in check, um, I don't want to ever say I'm sober because for me and the women I speak to that had a past of disordered eating, when something's off limits, it makes me want it more. And I don't define myself as sober because it makes it like scary. I can have it if I want, just like my daily indulgence. It's not, doesn't make it scary or enticing because it's just alcohol. If you look at something as just neutral, it takes away, you know, how enticing it is and its value to you. And it's not as scary. And so once I got my margaritas back in check, I still stand by a balanced lifestyle. Everything is allowed. I, I do it in moderation, but I have to have my daily indulgences and uh, focus on uh, weights versus cardio. That shift and that changed everything for me. So I still stand by it, but I can recognize when I get out of balance. I, I love when you say the word balance, because when you were talking about that, you know, in my world, balance meant like all the way to the perfect side, all the way to the the bad side, the good, yeah. the bad, like this this the this bad. duality, right? You know, the bad, right? And um, when I hear you saying balance, what I hear underneath that is just this level of neutrality and self-awareness that helps mm-hmm. you go, okay, I'm going to not create restrictions because those restrictions entice me to want that more. And that's what creates the unhealthy behavior in the first place. And then while I am participating in that balance, if I notice myself overbalancing in something, I need to check myself and say, okay, what, what's, what's causing this? Why, what am I not dealing with? And I'm using this as a way to deal with that instead. Right. And I think that's just a really beautiful approach to create a sense of true balance, not a, what a lot of people think of as balance. Right. Which yeah. is like, I'm on a diet. No, I'm not. Now I'm on a diet. No, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, you know. How I used to live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't even use the term balance just because of how nuanced it is. I usually say like, organized chaos or <laughs> harmony. <laughs> like when I'm talking about yes. my house, organized chaos and then harmony in like, how I'm living and what I'm doing. So I love that you brought that up. I think that's a great way to consider it. And it may not be like squats and margaritas. It might be squats and donuts for some people, right? Or whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is. Now you're speaking. <laughs> I would take the margaritas, but. <laughs> well, it's just, it has, you have to have both. And people are like, yeah. oh, margaritas aren't off limits. Like you, you don't trust yourself because all the disordered eating, like the years of abusing your body, you're like, well, if I can just have it, you'd be surprised when it's allowed it's not, you, it's not as yeah. tempting. Like I would have like drinking days. So like I wasn't drinking all week and then you go on a bender on the weekend and you drink all the margaritas and then you're hungover on on Sunday and you eat like shit on Sunday because you had all the margaritas and it, it's just a balance. It's, it doesn't have to be off limits. It's back on. Like I would have wine in my fridge and be like, oh, I have to drink it tonight because tomorrow's not a drinking day. Oh. Like when I got all of the rules out of there and it's just like, it's here if you want it. It's not as scary. So like saying it's it's allowed, it's not going to be as tempting because it's not something you're not allowing yourself this week. And just take the rules off of it and it truly will become neutral. Mm. I love that. Well, yeah. Aaron, it has been such a pleasure to connect with you. I love your perspective. Same. I love the work that you're doing with, with teen girls. I think that is such valuable, important work. Yeah, thank you for doing that. Yeah, big like time. big thank you for that. So tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, I'm typically just on Instagram. The most. I am Erin Washington. 
Um, my podcast is Squats and Margaritas, wherever you get your podcast. And my new book, From Pain to Purpose, Finding Meaning in the Mess, is available on Amazon. Um, the foundation is called Blue Butterfly. Um, I named it after a blue butterfly that literally came to my house every single day until I finally was like, what do I do with this? And as soon as I named it Blue Butterfly, it left. Um, wow. So my hope is that women that have been through something will come back and mentor girls that are currently in the mess. And then when they become adults, they'll become blue butterflies for the next Aww. generation. So they'll always be always be blue butterflies in this world. Love that. Well, thank you again, Erin. <laughs> and thank you again, Lisa, for joining us today. We're so happy to have you. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.